Welcome, data people. We are Zuma. My name is Matt, and this is Data for Good. This podcast is brought to you by Zuma. Zuma is a dedicated recruitment company for senior data insights and analytics professionals, connecting you with Berlin's most influential companies. The Data for Good podcast is for the world of data analytics and engineering, giving you access to the thoughts and opinions of Berlin's most successful data people. Today, we are joined by Max Schulzer, Data Engineering Manager at Zalanda. So this is going to be a great episode. Um, Max is going to talk to us about data mesh, different personas uh, in data, and also the importance of networking. Max, welcome. How are you? All good, all good. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to actually be here on, on the podcast, and I'm very much looking forward to our conversation. It's, a, it's an honor to have you on. Now, for those who don't know, um, there is a story behind the color yellow. Can you tell us a bit more about that? <laughs> yes, definitely I can. So um, as some of you might know, like the color yellow and especially my yellow suit, I'm only wearing the tie today, but uh, that's a, a bit of, it has become a bit of my trademark uh, uh, over the last couple of months and, and years even. It all started off as a joke at a friend's wedding where uh, the initial colored suit actually made its first appearance. But at that wedding, we took like a couple of pictures. I enjoyed the pictures and I started using them on social media as well. And um, ultimately, I was at a conference last year at the Data Innovation Summit in Stockholm, where I was giving a presentation and the organizer of the conference was actually uh, himself rocking an amazing red suit. Uh, and he saw the picture of me when I was introducing myself. And he immediately told me after my talk, if I would want to ever come back to this conference, I definitely would have to wear this suit next time. Oh, and wow. then they invited me again this year in May. So I didn't have a choice. And it... uh, I have basically like started rocking the suit on like multiple occasions since. Amazing. Is it the same suit as it survived or have you been updating? Well, uh, what can I say? Um, uh, some... People had different effects throughout the pandemic on themselves. I might have grown a little bit in various <laughs> dimensions. So I actually got a new copy of uh, the same suit. Why not? Why not? Treat yourself. Perfect. So, yeah, for those who didn't know, most do know. Most recognizable you are by the yellow suit. So keep an eye out for anyone who is at conferences, particularly uh, in Berlin. One question that we do like to start the podcast um, with to our guests is, think back as far as you can but yeah as far back as you can remember what is your first memory of data well i think it goes all the way back to school to be honest where um i had some computer science courses and i have had a very gifted teacher at that time uh who wasn't even like a school teacher for like many years but he actually came in for uh, uh as a side uh, like like from the side um, mm. with like lots of industry experience already and at that time like computer science courses were still like pretty new at school so there wasn't clean was not really like a clear fleshed out plan on like what were you supposed to teach so he was just like drawing from uh, his experience from the industry and taught us a lot of things that later out turned to be very very useful throughout the nice. rest of our lives and one of those things was databases. So uh, actually, when I was like, what, 16, 17 years or so, uh, yeah. was the first time I got came in touch with databases, uh, not just in like playing around with some, some data structures or anything like that, but really like 
uh, going all the way down to uh, understanding how the, these beasts work behind the scenes. And that has triggered my curiosity into the data space that I definitely followed up on later on. Amazing. So it started out when you were 16, you were unknowingly exposed to data science um, from someone who came in. Or was it an earlier age when this? No, this it was around in? that time, I would say, yeah. like, like, like the last two, three years of school uh, before I then went on to continue uh, with studying computer science also here in Berlin. Um, and where I was lucky enough to actually have run into some project that back then was called Stratosphere that later mm -hmm. on became to be known Apache Flink. So I was lucky enough to actually got directly into, in, in touch there, um, uh, talk to a lot of people, directly contribute as well, and even yeah. write my thesis also about Apache Flink at that time. Oh, wow. I think there's been so much evolution of the data world from that database experience to, I mean, what we call now is the, the modern um, data stack and something that we spoke about previously and data mesh and how that is super popular um, at the moment. And you've got the great opportunity to be able to implement that across such a strong uh, company such as Zalando. But for those who don't know, what is a data mesh? Yeah, data mesh is essentially the, the modern day's answer to organizational scaling problems around data. Mm -hmm. Right, like data, of course, like amounts of data have massively grown over the last uh, two decades by now already. All the systems got more complex in terms of like being able to also take on vast amounts of data. Um, we are now storing petabytes of data. We are now being able to actually run compute engines with like hundreds of cluster uh, nodes and hundreds of clusters in parallel to mm -hmm. also like get ahead of actually analyzing all this data and making sense of it. But ultimately, we reached a point that the problem was no longer technical scaling, but organizational scaling. And this is like one important angle that Data Mesh is trying to get ahead of in the sense that um, you're trying to address all these problems that everybody has for like not finding the right data, not having it properly described, like dealing with data quality issues day in and day out, mm. uh, dealing with data responsibility issues of not having clearly defined ownership. Um, and these are like a bunch of the core challenges um, that uh, that data mesh is then trying to get ahead of. How that really works is uh, data mesh ultimately boils down into four main pillars, which are the concepts that actually stand behind it, the things that make it a bit more tangible. Mm -hmm. The first thing is to, to actually treat data as a product. Um, so you actually think of it as something that you would want to sell, right? Like that you yeah. would want to sell to either some people that you're working with internally, externally, but you, you actually think of the value that your data is generating uh, when you actually share it with others. Mm -hmm. And um, this builds up on top of, uh, again, addressing these challenges that I mentioned before about not clearly defining data ownership uh, by picking up a little bit of, the, uh, of some of the ideas from domain-driven design and also pushing this into the data space that you actually clearly define responsibilities about data and you mm -hmm. push data ownership into the areas of the people that know best uh, where the data has been originally produced that have all the insights to actually ask them to also take on the additional challenges that come with providing good quality data and sharing it appropriately. 
Mm. Of course, that is also not always that easy because that usually means you're pushing additional responsibilities onto people yeah. that do not know very well how to actually deal with data in the first place. And that is why it's also super important that you add the, the third lag of data lag, uh, of data mesh, which is to provide um, data platform capabilities, ideally through self-service infrastructure, right? Like mm -hmm. you need to make it as easy as possible to work with data. And this is honestly also where most of my experience is coming from. I've been on yeah. the data platform side for the last seven years or so mm -hmm. um, to really provide services uh, to a large scale company when it comes to really working with data. Okay. So it sounds like data became a very useful tool, but it wasn't integrating with business uh, as well. As that is exactly yes yes this, this is exactly the case and um everybody on the business side wanted data mm -hmm. um but it was still like a black box that nobody really understood for that matter because nobody really could say like you, you could have two people that look at the same data uh, from different angles and two people that try to answer the same question actually come up with completely different numbers and thus make the completely different decisions because mm -hmm. you have data that is flowing through like many different systems that is coming in from many different angles that has data quality issues um, that nobody's actually getting ahead of. And like all these problems um, made it really hard to actually push for proper decision making. And now that more and more companies try to really become data driven, um that means data is becoming more and more important also for the business side and mm. now slowly but surely people are realizing that if you want to have good data to make your decisions based on that means you also need to invest into it and you need to actually set up the people the right way so that they can do the groundwork and that they can prepare the data properly so that you can then have clean data to actually base your decisions on this may be a bit of a chicken and an egg scenario. What's more challenging? Educating the data people on business specifics or teaching the business people more about data and, and how it can be utilized? Um, it, it's quite an interesting question, actually, because... Um... On the one hand side, like, like parts of these are self-sufficient learning processes for that mm -hmm. matter. If business people don't have good data, they will realize it and they will see the problems that they're actually facing. And even though they are, they might just be pushing because they don't have the, the, the insights into how the data actually arrives on, on their desk um, so that they might just think, yeah, it's just a quick thing that can be fixed. Mm -hmm. um, that there's a, like a little bit of just a lack of communication and also a lack of empathy with the different people working in the different positions. From that angle still, like the, the business need yields the problems. So often you will see the situation that they also challenge the situation and they say, okay, something needs to change because I need my good data to actually work with that. Whereas from, from the other side, like, like data people have historically often been heavily focused around like tech stuff right like they are usually like like geeking out about the newest processing engine that's running around the corner and mm -hmm. trying to get into like the cool and fancy of new technology um and that can of course make it a bit harder to actually focus on the business problems that you have at hand if all that you have experienced your whole life is 
some business person writing a ticket for you and you are just looking at the specs and you're implementing that, um, that makes it much more challenging also to like expand your mindset um, and to, to also look at the business angle of things. How do we help these maybe data people who love solving problems and tackling these challenges to become more aware of the business needs and, and what the company is trying to achieve. So, so usually the data people are also, in addition to to like a little bit of a disconnect from from the actual business side, are often also in the position that um, they are completely overloaded, because like everybody wants to get to the good stuff of the data. So they are solving the requests of everyone in the company mm -hmm. uh, and they are slowly but surely becoming the bottleneck of the organization as well, right? But interestingly, I think there's also like a little bit of a, like a two birds, one stone thing here where it all starts from having proper communication between the different parties, right? Because mm -hmm. the whole idea of just like throwing a ticket over the fence and then having somebody implement something against an interface and throwing it back uh, and then just there being ping pong on technical messages uh, a thousand times before something is actually properly uh, happening. Like this, this is something that that simply doesn't work anymore. Mm. The data challenges are so complex um, that even different people with different perspectives describe the same thing in different words and completely misunderstand each other. Mm. So that's why it's so important to to bring together the people and actually like have each other have to understand each other and have to actually start also creating some empathy for the position of the respective others because as long as you have this over the fence thingy you always treat them as the enemy right as the person who is like creating all the mess that you actually need to deal with yeah um, and this is something that needs to stop right you need to actually understand that there's a human being that's sitting on the other side of the fence and that if you actually open the door and go through it there's a person that you can talk to that has huge challenges similar to, to what you actually have. And that by talking to each other, you might actually be able to sort out some of these challenges much more from an organizational angle than from just an angle of solving technical problems. I couldn't help but think of a video that has been shown on LinkedIn pre, uh, recently that's two dogs barking at each other when the fence is closed or the gate is closed and you open it and they're best friends. But <laughs> it's a situation that software engineering um, faced many, many years ago and the, the introduction of DevOps. Um, yeah. How can we introduce best practices from other areas in a business to help us improve this situation? It's actually quite funny because exactly what you described, like the, the changes that have happened also in the culture uh, um, with the introduction with, with DevOps, with the introduction of like agile development methodologies into, uh, into tech companies. We are undergoing a very similar change on the data side right now, actually, that like all that we are actually trying to do is to enable people uh, to become more agile, to become better at like local decision making. Um, when it comes to to advancing uh, the problems that they are working on. And yet still, because data mesh itself is just a huge hype and a buzzword, uh, mm -hmm. there's also a lot, of, a lot of pushback because people don't really understand that the methodology behind it is something that is not entirely new to us. It's it's really something that uh, uh, that, especially on the tech side, we've actually 
been able to gather quite a lot of experience already over the, the past decade or so. But now that we are finally arriving at a point that we want to apply, apply similar uh, baselines also on the data side, uh, there's still like a lot of a lot of fuzz around that uh, where people are like just like fighting over scraps. So to help people understand with data mesh and self-service has been mentioned as well, what where are we trying to get to? What I know things will change very quickly um, over the coming years, but at the moment with our roadmaps with data mesh, what are we trying to achieve? Where, where are we trying to get to in simple terms? So, so the interesting thing is that like ultimately, uh, I, a friend of mine actually said that recently, uh, the first rule of data mesh is not mention data mesh. Um, because like, interestingly like, like enough, like. there's this exactly right. Uh, there's there's so much buzz about the word itself um, that people forget to talk about the concepts behind it, right? Mm -hmm. And actually, actually, once you cut to the cheese and you actually talk about the concepts behind it, like this data as a product and uh, the domain-driven ownership and also the, the the platform part of it, all of a sudden people start becoming reasonable and understand that this is something that that actually helps the organization as a whole. Mm -hmm. And like the the real intent and the real direction that we are heading into is that we are trying to set up our companies and our organizations in a way um, that we can have a sustainable environment when, for everybody that is working with data. Uh, data is not accessible to anyone at the moment. Like, uh, not to anyone, to everyone, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Data is not accessible to everyone at the moment because some people simply do not have the knowledge how to use a certain tool because the tool are too com tools are too complex for less technical people to use them, right? Or we have like overcomplicated processes to actually like getting access to data or even finding the data that we mm -hmm. want to work with. And like like trying to address all of these things, it, it, fee it, it as, as odd as that sounds, it really feels like taking baby steps in like discovering how to properly work with data. And like, this is really the direction that we are trying to take that we are maturing our organizations from all angles uh, when it comes to like any perspective that requires data um, to then be able to also work with it properly. So it sounds like people are the key and um, it's this is the fundamental part of how we're going to move forward in the data world is people, education. Yeah. There are many different personas within uh, the data world where are we at now and how are those evolving with the introduction of new tools and new awareness yeah so so interestingly like when we just look back a couple of years like it was mostly you had engineers and then you had business people mostly on the analytical side um that that had like some idea on I don't know, like looking at a dashboard or if they were a bit more in the middle, like more is what we would now call a data analyst or back then, like more, uh, maybe somebody with a BI background, mm -hmm. uh, able to like run some, I don't know, like uh, SQL queries themselves to actually generate insights on more raw formats of the data. But like the, the interesting thing is that the lines are massively being blurred right now. So like on the one hand side, of course, we are not, not anymore since many years already focusing just on like BI and like reacting on things that had happened in the past. But mm -hmm. of course, like the whole ML space that has opened up, um, yeah. you have applied scientists that are deeply looking into the parts 
uh, of understanding uh, training models, like understanding different parts of the business, discovering patterns, and like really also pushing uh, pushing ML models to the production uh, to predict certain things or to react to changes immediately. And then like, if you go a little bit further into the scale, now also you have ML engineers, right? That are not just focusing on the core of the actual like model development anymore, mm -hmm. but we have realized that productionizing a model is actually where the true value is coming from. And productionizing things requires certain engineering skills, certain also ops skills, right? So yeah. data ops is something that, that that is coming up from that side. But when you then move further in and you're entering more like the, the, the core data engineering space, so to say, um, even there, there's massive differences. You have people that are more on the platform side, right? That are actually the engineers that are providing the platform capabilities. They are dealing with, with completely different issues than the people that are actually working with the data themselves. Mm -hmm. um, they are really like focusing on like scalability of systems that is on a completely different level, even just when it comes to, I don't know, providing the infrastructure, for instance. Yeah. If you then walk into the other end of the spectrum, you're walking, entering more like the, the analytics space again, where like uh, some some term that has recently been coined, the, the analytics engineer has shown up, yeah. Recently, yeah. Right? which is like um, somehow like switching the bound, like um, blurring the boundary between the data engineering space and the, the, the analytics space, because they are, they are now mostly the people that are sitting within the teams and like building data pipelines to actually take care of the specific challenges and already getting much closer to the business uh, to answer some questions there. And then, of course, still you have all the way over to the business analysts that really that have very little to none actual technical skills um, that are much more focused on the actual business problems at hand that are just like looking at the data that has been prepared by somebody else um to uh, i don't know like analyze uh, certain dashboards looking at certain reports um to to again understand what's going on in the business to make decisions based on that and this is like how what used to be like very clear cut between the different roles has entirely blurred um all over the place when it comes to that it feels like we're kind of in an era of moving from generalism into specialism within the data space and the we are becoming more professionalized it's becoming a data is now becoming a profession yes yes definitely what are your thoughts on that no no i agree to that and again like especially when you're looking at i don't know hiring for instance right uh, you're quite an expert on that part as well um like everybody can call themselves a data engineer nowadays because mm -hmm. they have looked at three numbers in a row at some point, uh, and they maybe know a little bit of Python that they just picked up last week, right? So, so this this is of course like only showcases how much the interest to enter the space uh, is also become, but also how much the need from the industry as a whole for just data people in general um, um, is growing more and more. But the interesting part there is as well is that data, of course, does not always need to immediately mean deeply technical. Right, like one of the most important and key roles, I think, that we are now seeing also uh, with data mesh coming up is um, data product manager. Right, you need to actually have people that understand the value of the data that you are offering to your stakeholders within your organization or even outside. And like this, this is like the, a new key role that that didn't exist in that form up until a couple of years ago, maybe, mm -hmm. um, where you actually have like like data focused teams that now do not just 
provide massive amounts of data sets that are dumped somewhere. And then if somebody wants to use them, feel free to do so. But that you actually have product managers within the data teams that keep track of all the stakeholders that they are working with. They, they understand where the value is actually generated from the data that they are providing. And that are also able to then communicate to in, inside the teams uh, because they understand, again, um, the challenges that they are facing when it comes to actually building proper data products and describing the business context around them. So like mm. data product managers, I think like one of the new key roles uh, that has emerged like over the last two, three years or so um, yeah. um, that has been massively pushed uh, with the introduction of the data mesh term um, because that's one of the new key roles that a lot of teams will need. Yeah, I've seen, seen more and more of them emerging at companies across Berlin. Now, one position that has kind of evolved and it's getting mixed reviews. Some people are for it, some people are not. Chief data officer. That's a not, very not to get you not to get you in any trouble. But yeah, what what are your thoughts? It, it's a very interesting role because, like, I always love to describe it in a way that um, the role of a chief data officer is to make themselves obsolete. And uh, because, like, usually chief data officers are introduced in companies where um, you have a very, let's say, legacy way of how you're looking at data that is mostly mm -hmm. driven by. I don't know, like legacy BI processing um, might not have gotten the last seven hints uh, to actually maybe update your technology a little bit to be able to also cope with the new needs that your organization have. Maybe a lot of like organizational stuff that is really messy in terms of like shadow infrastructure that has developed everywhere and like mm -hmm. a huge mess uh, uh, in the sense of actually like moving towards a data-driven organization. And then the whole idea is, of course, to try to get ahead of that, right? Like you, you try to, to sort that out. Um, you try to make organizational changes. Uh, you try to, of course, enable teams also to make technology changes sometimes. Um, but all overall, you're an ambassador for, um, um, for pushing data responsibility into the organization. And the interesting thing then is like, if you look at something like data mesh, ultimately data mesh, when we are pushing for domain ownership and responsibility, that yeah. means again, we are like decentralizing the, the, the ownership and the responsibility about data down to the people that know it best, down to where it is actually produced um, within the domains, within uh, towards the people that actually have the knowledge about the data. So if your goal as a CDO is actually to come in and grow a data organization that is as big as possible so that you have like might over the company or whatever, uh, ultimately what you actually want to aim for is the exact opposite. Yeah, sure, you might still have like a certain central part of the organization that is like offering infrastructure capabilities mm -hmm. uh, that is more like from a data platform angle for that matter. But the actual like core data responsibility is are things that you want to decentralize, are things that you want to push closer to the business uh, so yeah. that you actually can take on end-to-end -end responsibility for certain business uh, 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 topics. And that ultimately lets the CDO be in a position that once they have actually achieved their final goal, then you have a mature data-driven organization, which doesn't have the need for a CDO anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, my job here is done. I think maybe after the, the release of this podcast, we will see a number of interim um, CDO positions uh, <laughs> that are on a short-term contract. Um, but yeah, it's a topic we could dive in um, a lot deeper. I think while you're on the podcast, we, 
we couldn't not talk to you about your active role in the community and and what you do for data folks, particularly in Berlin and, and further afield. So why do you do it? What what do you get back from sharing your knowledge and, and helping so many others? I personally think that data ultimately is all about community. Like definitely like each company has their own data actually, like in the sense of the actual content of the data and they make their own decisions and they make their own business. But ultimately when it comes to the approaches of how you're working with data uh, or from a more general angle, I think like the data just thrives through, it through its community. Mm. Letting alone that it started with like a huge amount of open source systems, right? Like when we look at the most common data processing engines that we have out there right now, Spark, Flink, Trino, like, like many of them that you have, um, they are all open source, right? And they already have built in the idea of taking from the community and turning this into something valuable for your company. And I love that thought. And mm -hmm. I love to actually also turn this around and give back. And this actually started quite early, to be honest, like um, way before COVID hit, uh, we were, for instance, organizing some uh, some data engineering meetups locally in yeah. Berlin, right? Uh, because of the, the, the partners that we were also working with, we always got the opportunity to also bring in some, some uh, very interesting speakers, uh, bringing us to the point that we usually had between 100 or 200 participants for meetups. Right, wow. this is pretty massive, and um, of course, uh, once COVID hit, that died down a little bit. So there hasn't been so much activity around that anymore. But definitely, that didn't mean that I wanted to stop my community contributions. Right? Mm. I've been around in uh, many, many conferences over the last three, four years. Um, I even started to give some trainings on data mesh on O'Reilly. Uh, started to write a small booklet on the topic as well that has oh, been nice. published on O'Reilly by now as well. Um, so there's a, a bunch of things that, uh, yeah, just giving back is the main thought uh, behind that because we are always taking from the community when it comes to the usage of all the things that we are yeah. trying. Uh, so it's as important that we also turn it around and that we also give back. Amazing. We'll have to get a link to that uh, that booklet so we can uh, share that with with the listeners. Um, yes, definitely. What? How would you advise? What What tip would you give to someone? who wants to be more part of the community? What's the first step to giving back? Well, I, I think it's most important that you just figure out like what can you do in a space that you feel comfortable with, right? Um, usually there are a bunch of opportunities as well with like local data meetups or something like this, right? Yeah. Where you can just like go out, listen to some talks, talk to people, get connected, start networking. That's one of the things that we also want to touch on. Um, and uh, just get connected with people that are out there that might have already have more experience than you um, on certain things so that you can like reach out to them, uh, get feedback on certain things. Um, but also not everyone is loves to just like jump out on the stage and, uh, uh, and do things by themselves uh, immediately right from the start. Uh, or like dive deep into certain communities locally where you're involved with, with people right from the start. So it, it might very well be that your way of getting involved in the community might be through um, certain certain online measurements, right? Like like writing blogs, uh, getting involved with, uh, with other bigger communities on open source projects, like starting to make some small contributions that are focusing more on the technical side or 
even up uh, as high level as like uh, just giving feedback on certain things or uh, specifying certain requirements that you're having in your setup, uh, mm. because those are the things that usually allow a community to move forward. And it doesn't always have to be that you just jump out there and you join something in person. Not everybody enjoys that, right? Uh, I definitely do. And I love yep. like meeting people in person and talking yeah. about, as you can hear right now, I could literally talk for hours. Yep. <laughs> uh, so uh yeah that's one of the biggest gains that i always saw from communities as well it sounds like if you start small more people will appreciate your support and more opportunities to share your knowledge of a greater um group of people will, will present itself and that's maybe the experience that, that you've had and don't hesitate to reach out. Yeah, like uh, just because somebody's out there and you see they are much more experienced than you and you don't dare to ever talk to them, don't don't shy away from just like shooting them a message on LinkedIn or whatever. Mm. Like, there's a lot of people that are still like like actually pretty deep into networking that are responding to messages. Like I try to at least like read through all the things that I'm getting in as well. And sometimes people just shoot me some some random questions about their particular setup and if I have some advice. And I try get try to get back to them as well. Nice. Well, if we'll we'll say to anyone who sends a message on LinkedIn, if you start with the the word yellow, then you know it will be from <laughs> this podcast, and you you'll do your best to get back to them. Um, yeah, and I think also data is going to get ever more important. And you mentioned about some of the business other business uh, areas who are going to it's going to support them in their work. So if you are a software engineer, a product manager, or even someone working in finance who wants to maybe get a bit more into analytics. Like you said, Max, don't hesitate to drop a question, attend these meetups. Um, as we've heard, it's quite a accepting group uh, as as a as a data uh, profession, and it's quite a leveler. The data doesn't lie, <laughs> so it's good to. Um, give it a go F find out where um you might fit in if you're a storyteller for example maybe look at the analytics if you enjoy fixing things maybe have a look at the the, the engineering side i mean what 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 do you think max yes definitely definitely and like as, as you said right like the, the community is very open like like especially the local berlin community as well like like there are so many meetups out there uh, that i've participated in so far uh, there are local conferences that you can attend, and um, there's so many possibilities just to to like randomly reach out to people and uh, just have a personal conversation as well. And um, getting into the data space is really like there's still a highly sought after need um, to get more people into data, and I don't see that stopping anytime soon. So if you also want to set yourself up for success, that's that's definitely a good starting point. Um, but uh, yeah, just get started from any angle that actually suits you well. Find something fun. Yeah, find something fun yeah. to get involved with. Because ultimately, like, this is one of the things that I also love so much about the data space. Like, almost every challenge that you're facing is actually interesting. Uh, mm -hmm. And you might want to dive into that. Uh, it always just uh, depends on the perspective that you're taking on it. Um, and you need to find something that you really enjoy. Uh, mm -hmm. You need to have a reason for you personally why yeah. you dive into that. And then I can definitely guarantee that the journey will be successful because if you're driving your own move into the data space with personal passion, um, then nothing will get in your way. 
Yeah, and we must put a warning out there because we have seen time and time again, time and time again, when you get a taste for data, there's no turning back. Um, <laughs> you, you can get, you can get in quite deep, and you think you've solved something, and something else appears. It's, it's uh, always just the tip of the iceberg. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, Max, I must thank you. It's been a great episode. Um, unfortunately, that's all we have time for today. Uh, I think these topics. We didn't even cover some some topics that we discussed, but they lead quite nicely onto a future podcast. We would love to have you on again in the future, hopefully uh, a live one, maybe in Berlin next summer. But that's all we have time for today, unfortunately. Thank you again, Max, for your time and your rich insights. It's been educational and topics that I know that uh, people will want to know more about. To the listeners, as always, Drop your questions and feedback into the comments section and we'll pick out uh, some to be answered on future podcasts. And please don't forget to like and share so we can reach as many people as possible. But from me and Max today, it is goodbye. Thank you, Max. It was an absolute pleasure. I uh, really loved our conversation and already looking forward to any future follow-ups. Us too. It's been an honor. Thank you. Ciao for now. <laughs>